It's Wednesday, August 1st. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill. Joining me in studio today, Chief Investment Officer Andy Cross. Thanks for being here. Hey, Chris. It's a great day to be here. Great day to talk stocks. It is, particularly if you're a shareholder of Apple. <laughs> Um, and we'll we'll talk by you. We'll we'll get into soda. It's also a really good day if you're a SodaStream shareholder. Amazing day. But let's let's start with the fruit company. Uh, Apple shares up five percent this morning. Third quarter revenue fifty three billion dollars, and of course that's a big impressive number. More impressive to me is this is the fourth consecutive quarter that they've grown revenue. By double digits. Yeah, and it's the seventh consecutive quarter that it's been accelerating, Chris. So you mentioned it's a fr- that's, that's a lot of fruit. They are selling <laughs> they are selling a lot of fruit, and they're charging more for that fruit too. So the um, uh, there's been a lot of uh, uh, I know a lot of just concerns and thinkings about how many actual units of iPhones, which is really their big revenue driver. They will sell quarter to quarter, and that was basically flat to down, I think, a little bit this quarter. But what was interesting is that the average selling price continues to inch up as they um, uh, offer the iPhone 10, and the average selling price was up 20%. So you raise the prices 20% on one of your on your biggest revenue driver, and you can see how revenues can 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 get up to the uh, 17% level. Well, and that's the thing. You, I mean, for a long time, the question about Apple. Uh, has been well. How many more of these things can they sell? And to your point, it's like, well, there, yeah. Is the is the unit growth enormous? No, it's not. Yeah. But the selling price. Is. Yeah, the unit growth is 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 you know, kind of just the margin, not the marginal story, but it's just it, the the real impressive thing with Apple and what they're doing. And frankly, they've been doing this now for the past couple of years, and they're really starting to see the benefit of moving more to. To offer the services, the services revenues are now account for about 18% of overall sales, and their wearables business is really starting to take off. I think revenues were up 60% this quarter, and that and services now are at a record high of nine and a half billion dollars of sales. So it's really starting to have an impact. This this network of of how we are tied in to our Apple universe is getting more and more. We are getting more and more connected and more and more deep into this, and it's starting to show up on the uh, on the PNL for Apple. And all of this happening in the third quarter, which is historically yeah. the weakest quarter for Apple. Yeah, I mean, there's th- a lot. This is this is not the quarter that whatever has happened with Apple stock in the past, say. Five to six years. This is not the quarter that anyone has ever looked at and said, "Boy, they really need to crush it." Yeah, because everyone expects something coming out in the fall, and then their new cycle comes out, a new product offering. You know, they've just the the iPhone 10 has been has been has been a really nice success for them, especially from the pricing perspective, and it's really having growth across the world in so many of their markets. But really, the excitement is always in the fall when they come out with maybe a new offering or a a, a new um, device, whatever it may be, something something new that investor consumers and Investors can lock on to, but but clearly their their business is rolling in momentum, and um, you just look at the size of the organization now at nine and a half nine nine hundred and fifty billion dollars, really ticking up against that that trillion dollar mark. Although frankly, they would have been a trillion dollar company probably if they weren't buying back so much stock and paying that little dividend. They pay a dividend of one and a half percent, which comes out to about thirteen billion dollars a year. They buy back more than sixty billion dollars a year, and they generate more than, and then they spend about fourteen billion dollars in capex. So, this is—I mean, this is basically exactly what Warren Buffett and um, 
his team saw at Berkshire Hathaway two years ago when they started buying the stock below hundred dollars a share, and and uh, and recognizing this as a as a cons- as a as a different the the largest consu- consumer technology company, but really a branded consumer product that people resonate to as they push more and more to high margin service revenues that we all are now using in in whatever it might be, and in their wearables. Business and that just generates just an immense amount of cash flow that they cannot invest fast enough, so they have to buy back stock and pay their dividend. Given all the big numbers we're throwing around, and you mentioned the, you know, the fact that Apple is bumping right up against that one trillion dollar market cap number, which which they'll hit at some point, if yeah. not later today, then you know possibly later this week or you know this month. Yeah. So maybe the, the, this sounds on the surface like a crazy question, but. Am I right that this is still kind of a cheap stock? Yeah. So if you look at it, just I mean, it's really interesting because I was I was talking to our friend Matt Greer about this earlier today because, you know, they do more than two hundred fifty billion dollars in sales, and like I said before, they generate more than fifty billion dollars in net income. Um, You know, on a on a nine hundred fifty billion dollar stock with two hundred fifty or two hundred sixty billion dollars in cash, minus out a hundred million or so in debt. You know, you you have a, a market multiple in the earnings power. Now, granted, a lot of that earnings, by the way, this quarter was generated by a generous um, tax, effective tax rate that had dropped from 23% down to 13% on the effective side. So the effective tax rate, but still, that net income matters because that company, the company, can use it. You're talking about a company that sells at a cheaper earnings multiple than the S&P 500. Um, so, and the and and from just from the earnings side. And really, frankly, from the revenue side, it's probably growing faster than the market. So you you, you just you don't have there 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 are not organizations that we're seeing that that historically are this size that can be able to grow that fast. And that's where everyone gets a little bit concerned about. And then you have a, a, a slowing unit growth on the iPhone sales. So um, you know the investor base is like, well, I'm not going to pay up for that market. Uh, for that price, and I'm not going to pay more than the market. But clearly, over the past couple of years, I mean, it's done. It's it's just been an amazing, really performer at that size of a company. And you know, full kudos to to Tim Cook and his team for what they've done there over the last couple of years. Second quarter profits for Baidu rose 45 percent. Baidu, also known as the Google of China. Uh, Profits were higher than expected. Why? Why is this stock down seven percent today? Well, I think there's probably just some overall concerns. There was a story coming out that that um, perhaps um, its U.S. Uh, compatriot, as you as you mentioned, um, Alphabet Google is is going to have an offering in China that is going to be slimmed down. So so that team is out there talking about a potential. Um, they are not in China and they are excluded from China. So maybe having a, a solution there. So I think some investors are a little bit concerned there. Also, um, just Baidu's growth. Rate for the next quarter. I mean, it's 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 still good. I mean, it's they're still in the twenty-five to low thirty percent expected top-line growth rate, but maybe not quite what investors were expecting. So, I mean, it's not like the stock is collapsing, but it is down a little bit. I'll come back to the stock in a minute. I mean, this is interesting. This Reuters story that got posted this morning about Google, according to internal documents, Google is planning a essentially a censored version yep. of its search engine in China and for those who don't remember I mean Google did try to make it in China tried to make a push in and essentially folded up their tent and said we're we're leaving because it's not working for us from a business standpoint so will it will be interesting to see if this happens yep. if they can make it work 
and what that does both for Alphabet and for Baidu. It does. I and mean, one thing we we've seen uh, historically, uh, you know, over the last Chris, since you and I have been doing this over the last say, you know, two decades, is is really this the the the, the first mover advantage. The leading dog into a market to be able to have that 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 um, that uh, market penetration rate with their client base, um, uh, you know, Baidu has that inside China. So not that Alphabet and Google couldn't couldn't take some of that, and they could, and and certainly it's a huge brand and an amazing company that also has been able to do uh, pretty amazing um, things over the last couple of years as they are thinking about new ways to invest in their, both their technology as well as their services. Um, so, I certainly wouldn't put it past them, but, but I mean, Baidu does have that leading um, edge in China. And as they continue to build out more and more app-driven experiences tied to their search, and as they continue to to expand their mobile offerings, you know Robin Lee, who's who's who um, is is really the heart and soul of that organization. Um, you know, I wouldn't put, I wouldn't, I certainly would not put anything by Baidu to be able to fend off something like that if it even happens. China's a total wild card, as we know, for U.S. companies, um, and so we'll have to see how that story plays out. But, but um, I'm still excited about what investors are going to be able to get from Baidu as they continue to invest more and more in these newer initiatives, whether it's um, AI or self-driving cars or new chip technology, um, which is a really exciting uh, area for Baidu. Although it won't generate a ton of revenue for them anytime soon, that directly. Um, the AI side tied to their advertising client base is huge, and, and they have that edge there. It's interesting when you look at a chart of Baidu's stock because it's, and you're absolutely right. This is an eighty billion dollar company. The stock is down today. It is not collapsing. This this business, the underlying health of this business, is very strong. And yet, when you look at the stock, it's basically where it was a year ago. Although. In the last twelve months, it it has visited all these different places, both high and low. Yeah, it's been actually very volatile, and um, I know uh, different investors here at the Motley Fool and different services have taken advantage of some of that volatility um, for a company that, when you look over the next five to ten years, like will certainly be a big player in a very large market. I mean, there are almost one and a half um, billion people. Billion people in China, and more than 700, 800 million of those who are online. So, a massive consumer market, obviously. Uh, so, they're going to be a key player in that. Um, but you're right. The stock, really, when you think about some of the performers of whether you know it's the it's the Google Alphabets, the the Apples, Netflixes, Amazons, um, all these amazing technology companies, and then what the st- their stocks have done over the last two years, last year, for example, and Baidu hasn't really been able to keep pace. Um, either tells us that investors are missing the long term story, uh, or they're um, just not quite excited about Baidu's prospects. I think I fall more on the side that I'm. I'm pretty excited about Robin Robin Lee and what his team can do in in China. SodaStream's second quarter profits came in much higher than expected. This is the fourth quarter in a row that SodaStream has beat on earnings. And the stock is up 23% this morning. Was it that good a quarter? Yeah, it was pretty good. I mean, you think about revenues up about 31%. Now, there were some currency benefits, but let's just take it for what it is. And 31%, that's the highest quarterly growth, Chris, for SodaStream since 2013. Um, and this company has really had a kind of rocky uh, road over the last, you know, a couple of years. The stock reached as low as around thirteen or fourteen dollars, um, and today, uh, you know, as you mentioned, it's just um, it's been a, a 
massive performer right now. I think it's north of $108. So it's been a been a huge rebounding um, stock um, as their business continues to kind of grow and take advantage of, uh, of of a world that is kind of revisiting. Even though here, as I got my coffee this morning at the Motley Fool headquarters, um, I came across a soda machine, which a soda stream machine. Um, next to the uh, uh, one of the coffee machines, and I don't know if that thing's been touched in <laughs> God knows how long, but clearly there are a lot of people using that, and especially in Western Europe, which is their big market. That is SodaStream's big market. It's sixty percent of their of their sales in Western Europe. Uh, profits or sales were up thirty three percent this year as they continue to to sell more and more of their um, sparkling water. Uh, containers and their gas refills. Their gas refills were um, up to 9.7 million this quarter, and that was up 17 percent, and that's a record high. So, and those are extremely high margin businesses for SodaStream. This company is a lesson in uh, patience for investors, because as you indicated, in less than two years, from the middle of 2013 to early 2016, this stock fell 85 percent. And for people who have held on since then, in just over two years, we've seen a rise of more than seven hundred percent. Yeah, I think this is one reason why we're fans of really just patiently holding on to your investments if you can. You know, people need capital for different reasons, but generally, companies that continue to have have businesses. That they can grow, um, and uh, stock prices um, over the short term, and, and short term, really, Chris, even like less than a year. Which for 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 most of the investing base, the active investing base, that's like long term. I mean, the active mutual uh, fund may turn their stock, their entire portfolio over in eight months, and you know, for us, less than a year. Um, and, and for so many great investors, we respect um, less than a year is, is is still a lot of noise. So, and you mentioned it, it's been a little bit longer for that for SodaStream, but um, if you kind. Of follow the story, you can see the what they are trying to do, and like I said before, their their growth has really accelerated um, every quarter for the past year. So they just continue to make further and further inroads. I mean, the Germany business has seen 26 consecutive quarters of double digit revenues growth. So, and that's just a, that's the big market where they have the highest penetration rate. So you can see their offerings as they were trying to make sure they can. They they, they had some operational. Difficulties, but they got through those, and clearly, patient investors were rewarded. So, so as much as you can, really think about extending out your time horizon when you're holding your stocks, buying those businesses, and aiming to hold them as long as you can. I'm glad you provided the context of long term as a phrase meaning different things to different people. Right. Um, I enjoy uh, watching Jim Cramer on CNBC. But I remember a couple of years ago when, and I don't even remember what the company was and what the stock was, but he was referring to a company's earnings report and saying, and Kramer, you know, he made his bones as a trader on Wall Street, and he was talking about it. And he was saying, you know, well, I think X, Y, and Z, but you know, if you want to think about this stock long term. Like six to twelve months, then I think, and I was like, "Wow, that's what long term means for people who are traders." Six to twelve months, yeah, I, I, as opposed to five to ten to twenty years. Yeah, I heard a term to this morning on some on on some um, business news uh, show called long term trading, and I was like, "I don't even know what that means." What? I'm I, I don't even I'm not quite sure what that means. So you know, for us, I think um, studies show individual investors um, uh, 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 trade too frequently. And we really do feel the pains of those losses twice as much as a, as a pain of an equivalent gain in our stocks. And we all want our stocks to go up, and generally, stocks 
stocks do go up, the market generally really wants to go up. I mean, capitalism works in, um, in, in so many ways, and, and the, the um, stocks want to move higher, and businesses want to grow, and that's good for stock prices. Um, however, it doesn't always work out that way. Um, and pay, I think just having the patience to be able to hold those, and, and so many of us, um, it's just it's hard to do that, and you have to come over overcome a lot of cognitive and financial and behavioral biases to do that. But we really encourage you to do that because when you think about the track record of the Motley Fool, like you just mentioned with SodaStream, but there are many others, and hopefully maybe we'll see it in Baidu as well um, over the past year. Uh, and we clearly saw it in, with Apple uh, at different times in their career. Um, it really does pay to hold these. Businesses as long as you can. Andy Cross, thanks for being here. Thanks, Chris. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and the Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's going to do it for this edition of Market Foolery. The show's mixed by Dan Boyd. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you tomorrow. <laughs>